welcome to where the furniture isn't always the best, but them views, they are amazing. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. You hear me so you know who I am. I am Coach K in the building. Today I've got BJ, I've got Brett, and I've got El Fresh, Shidente, or whatever version of fresh he is this week what version are you fresh this week freshest the freshest freshest <laughs> the freshest the freshest man you look tired bro what's going on man i'm out here in virginia man it's uh oh you in virginia yeah which color flew out this morning to dulles i got training this week ah uh, ah uh, good old dulles you're my old stomping grounds indeed indeed that's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Brett, what's happening? I'm good, man. I'm loving the, the feng shui that, you know, has been created in the office and everything, man. You know, it's, it's a, I feel like I'm in a metaverse space now. Like, is this what the, being in the metaverse feels like? You know what, man? That's a great, great point, man. I didn't even think about that. Now, now you gave me ideas, man. We need to go ahead and get that <laughs> metaverse real estate uh, and just run it. Um, yeah, man, I hear it's uh, doing big things. Furniture got a lot of bet, a lot better on the 13th floor. It sure did. It you sure still did. Amazing. But if you <laughs> it sure did. It sure did. Hey, don't don't worry about where we got this furniture from. Y'all asking too many questions, bringing too much attention. <laughs> Let's just say the power was out in the building one day. There it cameras. is. Hey, <laughs> deliver happiness. <laughs> BJ, save us. <laughs> What's going on, man? All good, man. Allergies kicked my butt down this way this week, but we good, man. We here in the building ready to go. Hold on, man. Allergies in South Florida? I don't know what it is. Like my eyes, the last couple of days and everything, like Madison's um, steez and stuff, it's just like been killing us. Huh. So I've I don't know. I, I don't know what it was. It's not been like this before. So maybe it's something internally. I don't know. I need to change the filters in the house. I'm going to do that tonight too when we get off. So. Yeah, there you go. Change those filters, man. I'm trying to think of what's in uh what's in season down there. This is this is the first time this like this has ever happened to me. That's why I keep going to my eyes. I keep blinking like this. Like I'm trying to make sure like I'm not dunking up. <laughs> wow. You know about them days. <laughs> All the time. Oh Jack. my gosh, does he? My gosh. I never forget them days. What, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> Pulling out a hole family from my eyelids yep all the time it's funny man i haven't seen you do that in some time man. and i wish yeah, milk though, right? i wish i think i think it was milk i really do because that is like the only thing i can think of from my childhood to now that i really like curbed as far as you know anything that was the same i'm about to say i've been in a lot of the same places but I can definitely tell you back then my allergies were far more effective in, in all 9,000. Hmm. That's, um, hmm. All right. Yeah. Get off that cow's milk. I've been, you know, I've been hey, it creates a, a lot of mucus in your body in different forms. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the truth. Oh, mucus oh. isn't funny, but like it was a. <laughs> I laughed because there was a conversation centered around mucus earlier today in another group chat that I'm in. Oh. Uh, one of the folks posted something um, about how uh, um, your diet directly impacts, I guess, the amount of mucus that your body creates. And, you know, if you, it was basically like, it almost seemed like it was something that might've been from Dr. CB, but yes. just live a, a plant-based like life. Don't eat meat. Don't eat, you know, cow, don't drink cow's milk. And, all of these things and you reduce the amount of mucus that flows through your body and causes all types of other health related issues. And then another member in the group had responded not to be, um, I guess, confrontational or anything, but to just continue the conversation, but from a different perspective and talked about how a lot of our body, like we have mucus membranes for a reason. So, you know, there's good things that the mucus does like, allergies and trapping all the dust and things and getting the foreign objects out of your body 
or whatnot. So it was that more of like an educational or add to, you know, type of situation. And the person that posted the initial post uh, seemingly got into their feelings about what was said and mentioned, you know, having done, um, you know, their own research and work and stuff and didn't have to go get a doctoral degree to know what they were talking about. And that just kind of came out of left field of the sensitivity <laughs> and <laughs> uh, individuals just ended up leaving the group chat. Um, so <laughs> Been there, so yeah, Bill has left. We've all been through that 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 phase before. You know, uh, but that's one of those classic cases, right? You have people that have textbook sense that they had to go find or pay for, and then you have just this, you know, worldwide web, social media informed individuals that Google bring things up. Yeah, and it gets to be this this conflict. And the the crazy thing is, is that, I don't know, for me, I take it as the textbook piece um, sometimes has validity, sometimes right. has expired right. truth. Um, and then the World Wide Web or social media piece, there's just so much you don't know what's actually based in fact and what's actually based on just somebody said it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a there's a very thin line there. But even bigger than that, man, it's like when you're having a conversation amongst intellectual people, you just would kind of expect to be able to have a conversation and not someone feel slighted or talked down upon in any kind of way. So it's, it's it, that that was the the larger piece for me. It's just like there's so much insecurity, you know, surrounding some people and some men. This is a man here um, that, you know, kind of, you know, got in his feelings. And it just so happened to be a woman was on the other side. So it's, I, I, I just hate to see those type of situations. And, you know, it should have been an ele- a more elevating experience also, or conversation. And, and, and the man left the group? No, the woman left the group. Oh, the woman left the group. Um, yeah, but we can get into those details off the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't we don't need to get into all that. Um, but you 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 do bring up something, and this isn't where I wanted to go next. But we here, you kind of gave me a uh, um, assist, an assist, a, a pivot point. Um, do you feel like there was some ego involved? Absolutely. I think it might have been a little bit on both parts, but I can understand because I know both parties. Um, I can understand the reaction or whatnot, but I definitely think it's a little ego because I think sometimes people feel like they have something to prove because they come from a certain background or have a certain set of experiences. And, you know, it's it's one thing to to add to a conversation, to uplift. And when you speak about being about these things you've shown that you've been about these types of things in certain settings um there's no reason to feel inferior amongst your peers you might not have the same level of education or experience or anything like that um but you bring something of value to the table you just have to showcase you know that and so when your your pride ends up hurt especially as a man sometimes and unnecessarily it's like your own insecurity feeding into that you unfortunately have these adverse reactions to to the situation and I, I definitely think the ego was hurt you know what I'm saying the pride was hurt and you know you feel like you gotta one up and it's just it's it's never that that type of situation unfortunately or Turns at least not something else right yeah you know so that, that was be all up that was in the moment since then has there do you know if there's been any other follow up or a conversation between those two individuals at least to kind of clear up. I know there. Well, I, I can almost guarantee there hasn't been any follow up conversation. I don't really expect to because certain there's there's a little bit of history here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you you know, it's like enough is enough type of vibe. And, you know, when the energy is off, it's like, you know, why be why be bothered any, any longer? Gotcha. And that'd be it. So. But in that and that is is an unfortunate piece of, you know, there's no real opportunity for I don't think I think growth 
together in this situation. You know, individuals have to like, you know, grow on their own from. Yeah. So that ego piece, um, I feel like oftentimes that ego is kind of like the uh, the enforcer, the the uh, let me go get my bodyguard. Right. And the bodyguard or the enforcer comes out when there is fear involved. Um. And I think it happens on both sides, male and female, uh, but uh, man or woman, however we want to term it. Let's talk from our perspective, though. What what brings you guys fear as a male? The unknown. <laughs> Just the uh, the, you know. We fight so hard to, uh, in a sense, ensure that we can uh, protect and provide. And so it's the the uncertainty of, you know, that being able to be consistent and especially uh, dealing with uh, gentlemen like us who are uh, have that entrepreneurial spirit, wanting to take those leaps and bounds into new avenues, but wanting to secure and ensure that you know the home base is always good it uh it can be fearful okay there's always there's been along with that so the failure is is the big piece of it and that could be in any realm but somebody used to rap i can't remember these are kind of bundle up with saying fof and fop fear of failure and fear of people so fof fop like those are the two big things. So failure could be in any realm and people could be, it could be literally scared of people or it could be scared of the perception of somebody. So that failure piece, like if you're thinking about um, what Ian just said, is thinking through how, how's it going to be perceived if I can't provide? How am I going to look to those that are looking inside and like, oh, what, what happened? What did he do? How did he, why did he drop the ball? Or by a spouse, by your kids. Um by the outside world, like you're supposed to be the man, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. So it's all wrapped up together. So whenever I think of fear, like those two things always come at the mind. Fof and fop, fear of failure, fear of failure, fear of people. That's uh interesting. And I feel like the root of most fears is based in that perception piece or what others will think right so what'd you say you said what is it fof and fop fof and fop and i'm gonna add fought to it fears of thoughts um because i think a lot of times the biggest fear is is as i said it's rooted in what other people are going to think mm-hmm. and i feel as a man and I would say as, as a black man, but definitely as a man, we're in this interesting um, quandary, uh, this interesting place where you, if you go too hard, somebody's going to say something. If you sit back and relax a little bit too much, somebody's going to say something. Right. But there has to be a particular speed or a way in which you move that you feel good about and then just continue from there. Brent, I don't know, you know, I can see your wheels turning. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, well, I think what, what you just said, finding your optimal, I guess, speed, right? Um, I think the m- most successful people you, the people who are most successful in life, find that and continuously operate at that speed irregardless of any external factors or stimuli and they don't struggle with the feelings of inadequacy that you know breed this fear and then this more this reliance on ego to kind of push you or pull you through certain situations um and that's huge, especially as a man, as a black man, really being in tune with yourself and being able to 
I guess, operate in that space of efficiency and feel comfortable doing it. Because a lot of times we just we don't feel comfortable being us in our surroundings, whether it be at home, at work, you know, social anxiety, what, what have you. I mean, even even myself in my my current space, like it, it took a while for me and it, it took me seeing other people like operating in their own way in the same space. It's like nobody's telling Michael not to look this way or not to dress this way or not to say these things because Michael performs at a high level and is afforded that right. So if I if I perform at a right level, I'm not being disrespectful. I should be able to come in and be myself too. And when you're able to do that and you're supported in doing that in those different environments, you don't have to ever jump back into those feelings of inadequacy or your inability to perform. And you know, you 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 have the ego, but you're not like you're not like some individuals. I'm not gonna go there, but you're not like some individuals where that ego is is basically your defining point and you have to stroke it or you have to flex it in order to be relevant or move anything, whether it be forward or back. Yeah, that's well said. That's well said. And, you know, you, I think you said something that's important. The successful people move with confidence of self. Right. And I guess the question is, how do you get to that point to where you move with that confidence and you just show up as yourself with your personality and don't really care um, what happens from there? I, I, I think one of the keys to it is most people don't have enough patience to find their tribe and their environments. People want to be, they, they, they want to be, they want to be accepted no matter where they go. Mm -hmm. Without understanding they're not, they shouldn't be everywhere they want to be. Well, they shouldn't be everywhere at all. Like, you know, you, you can't be everywhere. Um, Let me say that again. They should be everywhere they internally <laughs> desire to be. Just because they desire to be, that doesn't mean that's where they should be. That's probably a better way to say it. In my head, it made total sense, but then I replayed it back. Yeah, yeah, I was about to ask you to say it again. So, so, so you beat me to it. I saw, I saw everybody's face. I'm like, let me say that again. Let me say. <laughs> you know, one of the so part of that question is though is defining what that line of fear is, right? I mean, Viola Davis just had there's, there's a talk going around that um, her many people have said it before in other in many words, um, and I think hers was at one of the last awards she she received. Um, but that success is just beyond that, that line of fear, right? Like most people can't push past it. Well, why can't we get there? Have you really defined what that fear is? Are you, is it a fear or just failure to yourself, to your family of being perceived as a failure? Is it fear of, of just putting yourself out there or doing something new getting out of old habits? Is it fear of leaving this, this bad situation or the situation you know you shouldn't be a part of? Is it fear of being alone, being isolated, like what is that fear? Until you define it, it will define you. That's one of the key, key things that's gonna keep on coming up as a key factor. And people use that all the time. And again, I, I think some people, somebody like Viola Davis, when I think about her career and the things she's been able to do, like, yeah, she's had different situations where um, it's probably a situation we would never even know about in the, in the film industry and in that, entertainment industry period but what defines you on a daily basis is that going to work and not being able to be yourself because you you're, you're fearful that um if, if you're yourself you're you may be rejected or not be able to get a promotion or do whatever but you mentioned um coming into a space and not really caring about what it is like so why do why do we have those that why do we wear those weights when we go into those environments right a lot of it is conditioning. We're told we have to be this way in order to be successful. And we follow that recipe. And we, right, never, you just we, become, we never get a chance to. Yeah, you just become part of that, uh, that system. 
And um, just to add to what BJ was saying about, you know, identifying the fear, uh, you really have to, Carol, you talked about how do you build that that type of self-confidence through the fear. Um, I think you have to face it. Um, you know, it, you have to face it. You identify it like BJ says, but then you got to come face to face with it. You have to move beyond it um, because that's the only way you're going to flex the muscle um, of that confidence muscle. You got to trust yourself. You got to put yourself in situations where, you know, it's, it's you. You're betting on yourself. You got to make a decision. You got to own it and understand that you're only going to get better from it, whether you succeed or you learn a lesson. Like, you only get better. Uh, and if you learn the lesson, then you apply it and, and keep going. I don't think any of us have made it as far as we have professionally, personally, without facing an array of different types of fears but overcoming them to flex those muscles and build the self-confidence into the men that we kind of are today. And not to say that we don't, we don't still face challenges or face fearful situations, but at this point in our lives, you know, we've come through so many different things that we lean on each other or, but more importantly, ourselves at points to say, Hey, I, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to trust myself. And once we get on the other side, you know, we'll settle up. I think that's that's a huge part of it. And when you say that, it really is, are you identifying and responding to the symptom or the root cause? Mm. I think that's the key thing. People, we get lost lost in the symptoms, not going deep as a root cause. And again, part of that thing that we've talked about a lot on the podcast and just in mental health spaces in the last couple of years is, Part of that may be therapy, like identifying, and even last week, um, I forget what context, I can't think right to say exactly how to, but identifying like until you can heal, and you can't, can't you brought it up from ET. Do you remember mm -hmm. what that, that statement was? I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, you can't, um, we're going to paraphrase a little bit, but you can't reach your next level until you've healed at the level that you're at. Correct. So when I think about that, it's like that next level may be pushing past that fear, right? But until we heal from, I would identify and heal from it again, but is it healing from the, the symptoms or the root cause? Until we get down to that root cause, the symptoms are going to keep on or manifest in another way, just like any health concern that you have. I think it's also that you have to, um, you have to go through something. I think we all... In growth, you you create fears and false perceptions of what will happen if this doesn't happen or if you do this, that might, you know, create that. And you have to go through one of those scenarios to find out that your brain was really just putting things in outer space and really so much farther than they really needed to be. Like a lot of times we create these false barriers and these false like, oh, black well, can I, if I go ahead and, and, and you know, cut my hair this way or if I if I you know enjoy this or if I they find out I like rap music at work or whatever it may be that you create these false barriers and these false things that again most of the time at a job it is about execution if you can do what you are there for and what you're supposed to just like Brett said a lot of the times other things can be looked by the wayside if when rubber meets road hey what they're supposed to do here is exactly what they do. Yeah, I know that they, you know, enjoy such and such or do anything else. But at the same time, what do we have them here for? And I think that's one of the things I'm always a champion of is getting down to that, the, the root of like, it should not matter, um, you know, what someone enjoys or does or is outside of, you know, what you are here being paid for. If you are executing, um what is needed at the highest level, then there should be, uh, in a sense, leniency for you to be you. Yeah. And, and there's, <laughs> that's a whole nother, um, situation there. Right. Because, ah, uh, man. Ah, Deion Sanders said it just, just earlier, uh, this week. Uh, he said, don't, let my confidence, um, ah, man, I want to get it right. Don't let your confidence 
don't let my confidence upset your insecurities or something to that effect, right? Um, and the issue becomes when you start talking about the workspace, and I'll just say life in general, right? When people have a perceived amount of success and they replicated an image in order to get to that level of success and see all the people that have quote unquote success are in that mold. And then here you now come, you don't look like it, but you are meeting or exceeding that level of success. Now the fear comes on their side where, oh my gosh, how many more of the, are, 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 are there of them that look like this that may come in and push us out? That's real. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's also, though, the when you fake it to make it, you don't enjoy seeing somebody else who didn't have to fake it, and they made it. And you get to sit there now and feel like, man, I, I, I masked so much of my own self in order to get here, and now I see this person doing all the things that I would be in their self, like, it creates animosity. It creates, you know, all of those things that you're just like, I don't like this person just because they're, they're them. They're, they're being themselves. And I sat here and, and I hid everything because I thought this was the way to do it. And now I am, a, um, just like we were talking about last week, <clears throat> I am like a clone of myself where I'm not really, the, the person that everybody knows is not really my true self, but it's because I've created all of these fake barriers and in, in, in different things in order to, uh, you know, fake it till I make it. Yeah, that's, um, again, all the reasons why you do the work up front. Find some place where you don't have to fake it. Find some place where you will be accepted. Um, and that may take a level of patience. You may not be able to go out there and land the first interview, right? And the problem is if you're going there and just being the person interviewed and not at some point flipping it and being the interviewer, then that's a problem. And a lot of times we get to that, to that part where they say, what questions do you have for us? Right. And somehow we've, we've morphed into the workspace, but it's okay. It's a natural progression. I think um, we get to that part where what questions do you have for us? And we're scared once again, to ask the difficult questions because we think if we ask the difficult questions, we will lose our opportunity at getting this job. But why, why is that, right? We, we go back into that. That's the way we've been conditioned to. Yeah, think. it's a hat in hand thought process where we have been conditioned to feel like every job is like uh, a golden opportunity and is like you should you should pretty much commit your life to somebody who's given you the opportunity to earn a check. And we really need to uh, get into a space where we understand that we have the power in the sense of, yes, a job is an amazing opportunity. However, you need to be setting yourself up for, for you know, longevity and understand asking them questions initially to have that definition to have that understanding is what's going to help you and propel you to either be successful or that job at that job or more importantly maybe it's to understand you know what this this doesn't make no sense it's better for you to ask that question now in the interview find out what's going on so you have full understanding and if you don't get the job that it wasn't meant for you have that clarity in, in, in understanding that that's, that's the way it goes, as opposed to feeling like, oh, I'm not going to ask that important question. But then six months when I'm in the job and I find out that I should have asked that question because now it's got me in a, a bad space, you're up, uh, you know, you're in a, you're in a horrible uh, area and it's only your well, fault because you well, haven't taken that time. Well, and you're absolutely right. And I tell you what, it's jobs, it's relationships, it's friendships, it's, yep. It's just existing. You got to ask the tough questions up front because otherwise now you're either investing time or you're investing money in some cases, or you're setting up a lifestyle based on what this job now compensates you for. And it becomes harder and harder to now part ways to go back and find what you really want. 
So let me let me, let me jump in and kind of bring it back because one of the one of the things we were thinking about prepping for just the topic in general was our greatest fear, right? Yep. So and I, I'm gonna take I'm trying to take it back to what that is for me. So for me is failing as a father, but that's more specifically, it's not preparing my kids to do the things that we're talking about now, right? That they have to go through the same thing and feel the same way that I did for all these years in the workspace, in personal space, that I want them to have that going into coming out in their high school years now, coming out, going figuring out what they want to do, going to college, going to interviews, like sitting there asking, being able to ask the questions and having them share with them these things. First of all, being transparent and like, this is what I went through. This is what your mom went through. This is what people are going through in general. This is what status quo tells you should happen. But that's not what you want to do. You want to be somewhere where you go ask the question. Okay, nowadays, for real, if, if it's not, if you're not feeling it, if it doesn't sit right with you when you're in that interview, don't take it because it's the first offer that came and you think it pays good, right? Do something, find something you like to do find something you want to do, ask questions. And you may get in there in two, three, six months and be like a year, be like, no, nah, I don't. Don't be stuck where you, you're afraid to jump and go somewhere. We were like, it's not good to jump jobs after the first. You got to be there and put some music in and try to see what happens. It's not good. It's going to look bad on your resume. None of that matters. None of that really matters. Now that we're in the for- workforce and they're like, lie, lie. I want to say lies, but people believe that and people actually put those things in motion. And I think one thing I can credit, one thing I can definitely credit this generation for, they don't care. <laughs> this new generation, they don't, they don't care at all. Like they're the first to tell you, I nah, that's not up to my I I'm nah, I'll be on a week on a job. Nah, I don't think this is for me. I quit. And won't have a job for the next three, four months trying to find something else. And they're okay with it. Now, again, you gotta have resources and a plan in place, a support system that goes back to who you have around you. To make sure that you have a system in place and not just sitting here like I don't know what I'm doing. It's a lot more struggle to it. But there were times like I wanted to quit, like I was scared to because like what am I going to do? How's it going to be viewed if I left this job right now or not? It's not what I want to do. Like how's it going to be viewed? I don't want my kids to be to go through those same things. I want them to learn from our, my mistakes. So my my greatest personal fear is that. As they mature, I haven't prepared them to not go through the same thing. Now, of course, they're going to have some experiences on their own, but if there's something I can help them through and I miss that opportunity and they have to suffer for it, that's who, that's where I, I sit at in personal, personal fear. So I want to say something there because I think there's a there's an evolution that has happened and if we look at this generation that we say they don't care this that the other it's not that they don't care it's just that we as their parents or we as aunts and uncles grandmas whoever we have reached a place to where we can provide a level of security for them that maybe we didn't have before that's fair yes that's fair to say Oh, I think it's also well. Hold on, hold on. I was, I was. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you go. Um, there's a level of security that allows them to say, "This place isn't for me. Let me find what is." And I think that's not how we were brought up and we were trained. We were trained that you're going to be lucky. I sent you to school for this reason so that you could secure a good job. And now we think, oh, I've got a good job. I got to do any any and everything I can to keep this. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, if we didn't, our parents didn't have the ability to sustain us without going through hardship. So you think that level of security is like a parental security blanket? Not necessarily a parental security blanket, but we, I think I said it, I don't know how many episodes ago, in a lot of cases... We, as we sit here on this podcast right now, people listening to us, we have probably made more money already in our lifetime than our parents ever did, or we are on pace to greatly outdo what they did, right? Mm -hmm. So that has given us a little bit more resources to Mm -hmm. give 
kids a little bit more leeway or that next generation a little bit more leeway in what they do. But I don't want Fresh to lose his point. So, Well, I was just going to say, I think it's more um, related to this new generation um, has got in. Uh, there are a lot more um, self-aware in the sense of I need to make sure I'm happy. I need to work on doing things that are, you know, aligned with me being happy. You know, they're they're very much on bullying and all of these other things, you know, some things that have made them a little bit softer than, than us in other years. But I think that's a big contributing factor to their thought process on how they view jobs and everything else, where it's like, um, A, with the internet age, they have a, a lot more insight in all the possibilities and different ways that you can make money. But then also on top of that, they have that understanding and feeling of, I need to make sure I take care of my mental health as opposed to being so strapped into thinking I need to go and get a check. And that was the difference between when we were brought up, it was about going to, to figure out how can you get a big check? Look, you need to go be a doctor. You need to go be a lawyer. You need to go be whatever this thing is that, you know, hey, from what I've been told, they make a lot of money. So figure out how to do that and go and do that. Where it's like now us as as parents have the insight and understanding that, you know what, that isn't, you don't have to just be a lawyer. Like there are many ways that you can make money. And, and especially if you follow your pursuit of, you know, what your gift is, you can figure out ways to make money. But then on top of that, they're just more aware in the sense of that, that understanding of like, I should really worry about my mental health. And no, I'm not about to spend, uh, you know, five, 10 years, let alone one or two years in something that I feel is pushing me down. And that's, that's, that's big. And I think, you know, you said in some regards, they're softer in some areas, but I think there's other regard, there's other areas where they're a lot more uh, bold and brave mm -hmm. and nobody talks about those parts. We just talk about, you know, Oh, they soft, you know, they're always in their feelings, which, okay. I would have liked to have well, been in my feelings and, and been able to express my feelings too. I was like, what are we always saying? Most, most people our age are talking about therapy or something because we don't know how to express feelings. Right. So, right. What's the, 100%. It, it all goes ties together. Yeah. hundred percent. It's a, it's, it's a different time and, 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 Man, we could talk about this fear piece uh, for some time, but you guys gave me another good pivot window of what's important and what's not to the generation of today. And I want to talk a little bit about something that Brett brought to our attention, which was this uh, high school out in California where the football team decided they were going to have basically a, a mock slave auction and they took the black players on the team who, you know, they stripped down to their underwear and, you know, covered their privates and basically went through a simulated auction type situation. And, you know, immediately we all think, oh my gosh, how could they do that? You know, older folks will definitely think, oh my gosh, you know, what a travesty, you know, what, what, what a tragedy to happen in a school and there's two things I thought of. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but there's two different, there's two different ways I thought of it. One, are we so far removed at this point? And because they have voice, they're like, man, we're going to make fun of this, whatever, at this point. And then two, the other thought was, are they at the point where, man, I just lost the, the, the second way of, of looking at it, but are they at the point where they feel like, you know what, if this gets people talking about it because they're trying to wipe this out of all of our history books and not allow us to talk about this. So about us doing something silly like this, does this at least keep it going and people talk about it? That is Asher an it, interesting thought process right there. <laughs> I was to say, that is a very Kanye way of uh, executing something. 
<laughs> if it was Asher there doing it, then I might give way to the, the second wave of, of thought. I, as clever as that, you know, might be since they're taking all mentioning of slavery and turning them into indentured, slur- indentured servants or immigrants in the history books these days, you know, that would be a, a way to bring attention to it. So I wish these young men were, were that clever, or at least the, it, I hope it maybe comes out that they are that clever at the end of the day. It doesn't seem that way at, up, to, up until this point. I'm about to say, I have a um, hard time believing uh, student athletes are that motivated for uh, history, <laughs> uh, you know, um, expansion. Is <laughs> the best way to put it. <laughs> hey, 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 let's 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 not broad stroke these student athletes. You know, there's All definitely right. we we got one on here and he's pretty I'm brilliant. only talking from experience. I'm not trying to uh you know uh uh whitewash anybody or, or, or broad stroke anybody, excuse me, but I definitely um yeah, no, nah, I just don't feel that um that that was in their thought process, but you know who knows? Who knows? Anything's possible. I'm gonna leave the door crack for you. I'm gonna leave the door yeah, crack for thought process number two. I'm gonna leave the door crack for that. Hopefully they 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 push it wide open in the next couple of days. Let's tackle thought know. process number one though, uh, where you say, um, "Are we that far removed to it being the them having the ability to make light of a, a situation?" I guess, um, and I don't think that's the case i think that the current generation might be that far removed because they aren't learning about it and if i didn't learn if i if we learned what we learned about slavery in school which i don't know goes as deep as the atrocities truly go you know you don't really get that level of understanding of the civil rights movement slavery and you know, the whole birth of America um, until you probably get maybe into like later in high school or secondary education if you choose that path. So when they're not learning about it, uh, I think it's easy, you know, for a misguided youth to fall into this type of situation, especially when you're talking about, you know, lack of sense of self. We talk about confidence as a man. You know, I don't know what these you know, what what the black players' homes look like, because I'm speaking specifically to them at this point or about them at this point, because it's, um, it's, a, it's a tragedy when you see something like this, this happening, because they, they don't understand the gravity of, one, what they're doing or what they're depicting and what it was actually like. And that just all goes back to this sham of an educational system and the ability for us to educate our own uh, as as they they grow up. I mean, it's so much access to information, but there's so many distractions. And I don't know what type of high school these kids go to, but I would guess that it's a predominantly white high school for them to be this far influenced into it. So you know, there's there's just so much stuff that they're they got an uphill fight against that they're not even aware of. And the parents, you know, I call into question, you know, just where, where are they in, in this situation? And how, how does it get to this point? Like, how do you become that parent with this kid? Yeah, it's uh, I don't remember what part of California it I was. It. I tell you what, I'm fairly certain it wasn't Compton or Inglewood. So it, it, was, it was Yuba City, which is like 40, 50 miles north of Sacramento. So okay. northern, northern part of northern part of California. Um is the River Valley High School up there. Um anything with Valley, you already know. I'm trying not to go there. But I, I, I'm trying to go that to that that statement. But what Brett just said, are we that far removed? No. Are they that far removed? Quite possibly. I think about, I'm looking specifically, there were three black athletes. I, I'm trying. In the picture, it was yeah. three in the picture. There's three of us. So, like, do you understand what you were doing and what you represented 
because you're not a slave, so you weren't made to get up there. Nobody held a gun in your head to get up there and do this with your teammates. So if you thought this was okay as well, then somebody, we missed the boat. So could they be that far removed based on, look at, and this goes back to the whole conversation we had many times of when we know better, we do better, right? We try to do better. We think we do better for the sake of our kids. We left our communities years and years ago to do something better. You earn a little bit more, you move a little bit further from the city to, to have more options or put it in a school district to have better schooling, better options. And we keep moving out and moving out away from communities that supported us, right? Communities that told these stories, communities that supposedly had your back and would do these things. It's not about predominantly white, predominantly black, in my opinion, but when you're in a scenario like that, or we move to the suburbs, we move to this thing, and you're that far removed from people who would will give you this information, feed you this information. So it's you're you're missing. You have a huge gap there. But but let's talk about that, right? Because at this point, if it's not in a book, there probably aren't that many people around that could really tell you about it. That's, and that's I say that because it's been, I think, 125 years since slavery was abolished. There have been five generations since then. They say a generation is anywhere from 20, from, uh, 20 to 25, 20 to 30 years, right? Yeah. So you got to figure what, what 125-year-olds are there around that's talking about this um not many uh and then if you just look at where we are now where i, I don't know what the average age of a parent is now i have no idea um i know back you know some time ago it, it was fairly young but at the point where we are now where you know who's telling these stories Then we're not we're not sharing them. We're not sharing them more. They can, uh, we've lost the communities that, that we were in that would even if you didn't have it in the family, the nuclear family, you had community members that were like I remember like doing projects about history, U.S. history and all that stuff, and talking about the um, Great Depression and going to my neighbor, Ms. Billups. I mean, passed on now, but sitting down and like she lived there during the Great Depression there in Cincinnati was telling me specifically about the black community, the black neighborhoods and how they survived and what they went through. Like that for me was that was my that was my my tribe, my village. Mm -hmm. Like I had other people across the street. I had my grandparents. I had my family in South Carolina that still live on a plantation land. Like that's a whole nother conversation right there. But that's the whole that's the piece that's missing because as we 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 go back to the narrative of um again all this is tied together in bits and pieces it's all connecting the dots mm -hmm. but even when we we talk about our fears or, or things we pass on our kids it's go to this school because it's better for you go to this you want more opportunities you got to go where you may have to go in situations where there's not a lot of black folks and it may not be there might not be a lot of folks that look like you let's put it that way no matter what what race, ethnicity you come from, right? The the idea that white is right, like that the way that, that that's done historically is the right way that you have to do it. We've lost the sense of this is what who we are and what we've accomplished because we're not sharing those stories. You hear about it in the book, you hear about it in a movie come out somewhere and it's 50 years later, 70 years later and that person's about to die or they did it only because that person passed on. And they found something out. We're, we're missing that chance of real life in the moment. I see these kids doing this stuff and it's like almost a cry for help. Like, like this is what we, we really believe that this was okay. But is it, is it a cry for help? And, and here's why I'm going to say it's not, it may not be a cry for help because the mission and cause has evolved. Right. So for our parents, it was, look, we want the same rights. We want to be able to drink from the same water fountain. We don't want to have to go to someplace different. We don't want to tell you that we can't go to a particular school. Right now, you go a little bit further. Not only 
that we want the same rights, but we want you to understand that we're not all the same. We are all unique people. So now you see the cause has moved to, I want you to respect me as an individual and I don't want you to give me a label. So because you've got to that, you cannot continue to expect that these young kids are going to continue to move with the initial movement of, hey, we wanted our freedom. We wanted to be respected as a people because they have gone past the people part. They are down to the individual part, right? Don't look at me and say that I look like all the black people look the same or you expect me to be just like this other black person. No, I am a unique individual. Don't look at me and say that I am going to be the same as this other male. I am totally different right? Don't say that the male sex is all the same because as a matter of fact, I don't even identify as a male or I don't identify as a woman. So I, I, I think what's happening is what has become priority now may not necessarily be, be what our priority was or what our parents' pr- priority was. But why, how did it get there? And again, not that the priority shift is bad, but how did it get there? And I think it really is looking to identify self. They're more self-conscious, right? Mm-hmm. You, said that, you said a little while ago, and that's not a bad thing, but the collectiveness of I, excuse me, I said that backwards. The individualness of I has forgotten the collectiveness of we that it took to get there to the I. Because those stories that, that, that blonde, that, Blonde. The bond, everything else has not been a part of their lives. They didn't see it. They didn't experience it. They haven't gotten those stories. Like, and they do Islam. Oh, that was back in the day. Like, don't talk to me about that stuff. Heck, you talk to kids nowadays. Like, you, you I, was talk, I was with some people from UM. Like, like I got there in 99. They looked at me like, what? You got there in the other millennium? Like, 99. Okay, yes. I got the, I got the UN, University of Miami in, in 1999. 23 years ago now, but it's not that far removed. They're looking at that like, oh, I wasn't born to 2002, 2003. I'm like, first of all, y'all making me feel old. Stop talking about dates. Second of all, they what they understand is only the, the, the news and society that they've seen probably yep. since, what, 2005, 2006, when they were <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. they haven't seen anything. Everything they they... If they're getting it in a book, which I highly doubt it with this whole move to do everything on, is watered down so much that they think all that was stuff. Oh, y'all just making up stories. They, yeah, people didn't really go through that stuff. People and that's really the thing. They're not getting it that. firsthand like, like we were able to. The, the fact that we were able to speak with people who we knew, uh, you know, or loved, you know what I mean? And be able to understand and feel that passion in, in you know, what they were going through, it's a lot different to read something in a book than it is to hear something firsthand. That's what and I'm so saying. I just said book. 125 years, right? Yep. And so all of 20, those people- 25 years ago, 30 years ago, there may have still been some some slaves that were freed yep. that, that, that we probably came into contact with, heard stories or heard a story from somebody. And you got to realize like that, um, that energy- is there right regardless of if you are directly hearing that just like you said back when we were growing up because those those energies were out there that was still prevalent and being transferred around whereas now you talk about somebody past 2000 it's it's a total different like um it's little things like i, I remember uh what was it the the barney rubble uh uh commercial the first time that they rapped like ever on TV, you know what I mean? And it's like, yo, they were doing it for Cocoa Pebbles or something like that. And that was like groundbreaking. Now rapping, everything is everywhere. Like kids today do not even understand like how big a moment that was for us to be where we're at now, where everything is so entrenched in society to, you know, before it was, you know, that was out the blue it was it was like the uh, a monumentous occasion just because it was like oh they're actually taking some of us and infusing it into uh popular culture but they don't have that same they it's it's almost like they they um 
are able to take it for granted because they don't understand and are not able to because we don't have the the stories to tell them in that same light of like some real yeah we get to oh man i got pulled over one time this that, and the other and it was kind of crazy but not like those real stories that really made your skin get that our information stories, our stories are still second and third hand they're yeah. not first hand accounts yeah what kid was saying like it wasn't that that person that like first hand experience but but if you think about it our first hand stories are exactly what they're fighting for now our firsthand stories of I'm a student at University of Miami. Yeah, I'm driving this old beat up car because it's all I could get. And I'm getting pulled over because they think I look suspicious. Meanwhile, I'm not like the other people you see driving this car. I go to this university right here. You go to this school. Yeah, okay, right. Show me your student ID. Right. Those are the those are the stories that we could share with them. And that's real to them. Because that's still things that they deal with now, right? I can't tell them about, I had to go work out in the field and I was getting, you know, beat for not doing what I was, what I was told to do. I, I can't share that story with them. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting <laughs> where we are and it's almost w- what, what I have to ask myself and I would have you guys ask yourselves when we have that type of reaction, is it because we know the job was never finished? We never completed what the actual task was we set out to do. And we feel like we've passed the torch. Okay. Our generation didn't get to do it. So your generation got to do it. Meanwhile, that's not, they're looking at it as that that's not our fight. Like if, if y'all didn't finish that, too bad. Y'all didn't finish it. We we got something new that we're dealing with. That's a good question. Whew. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to know what you think. Uh, especially about that pizza. You should rewind that segment and listen to it again. Um, and we'd be very curious to see what your thoughts are on that, uh, because look, we, I don't know about y'all, but at the rate we're going, you know, what are we going to be saying when, you know, we're 70, when we're 80, 90, you know, what's going to happen? We'll at least most of us, hopefully all of us will be around to see another generation um maybe two you know what how do we evolve with that how do we stay to where uh we are current enough to where we can still help the existing fight while educating on what the fight prior was right that's what i feel like is missing i think that's the like that's the answer to the question because i don't feel like we got to they don't have to necessarily learn for the sake of learning the history of it, right? A lot of the same things that happened then are happening now just in different ways. So if you make it relevant, then it becomes real, right? It's like when we talk about the Bible and the story of how Moses freed the slaves and how people take those ancient ancient stories and apply them to today everyday life if you can if you can do that then i think you stand a, a bit better chance at reaching them but you know outside of that you know when they're not exposed and you're living you know your suburban you know life and ignorance is, is just bliss until they on tiktok uh masquerading or you know having a slave auction it's not necessarily just ignorance brett because there's so much information to be had at this point that if you tune into the to the to the few things that 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 are that are important to you um that's you fair can, you can keep oh, sorry, go ahead. once you get into that algorithm 
that's it. The algorithm just shows you what's important to you, right? So if if you think about it, the algorithm for us, or I'm going to say for me in my time, because I'm a little bit older than than all y'all, but um, propaganda was, okay, the news may come on, but guess what? The news wasn't on 24 hours a day. The news wasn't being pumped through a device. You could not have eight different versions of the news coming out at one time, every minute on the minute. And all of them wrong. (laughs) Right. And all of them wrong. Right. If somebody wanted to strike fear or send a message, they had to do something to somebody. They had to put some pamphlets out somewhere and actually have somebody walk and drop these pamphlets out. Now it it takes two seconds, send, boop, post, whatever, and there's new information out. So I think at the rate that information moves, but it's what, but what what keyword in what you just said, Mm -hmm. new information, right? At Mm -hmm. a certain point, we got to get to a baseline. There has to be a foundation. There has to be an orthodox method or an orthodox, I don't know what you call it. What you what you call it, BJ? curriculum where things stay you know if 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 we can't have that if if you don't have that then you you leave room and space for all this noise and everything else to come in because everybody everybody got their own truth nowadays you know we got a whole true social out here now where everybody can speak their truth but it's, and it's all based on a certain subset of facts but if we can't have a baseline then you're going to always be fighting that losing battle. Yep. All right. I hate to do it to the listeners, but we're going to cut this conversation there because we had about an hour. Uh, so we'll pick up from here next week when we come back and hopefully everybody will be here. So Faison, I, I, we miss you. Yeah, we miss you, Faison. I, I think what we're talking about and what we got to get to is infrastructure is how do we create the infrastructure for this to happen? Because as long as we're operating within the vessel that was created by somebody else, it's always going to be difficult to take control of our own narrative. November, I don't care where you at, where you listening from, you need to tune into your local elections. Think about what's going on in the infrastructure in your town, in your city, in your municipality, in your state, in the nation figure out where you stand and what need, what needs to happen. That's one of that's one of the first ways. Uh at the time that you're hearing this, ooh, that might not be true. No, the yeah, election you need to be registered if that's where you're going. No, I was thinking about folks that have the ability to go out and vote early. So I know early voting starts for me next week. For here, yeah, us too. Well, a week and a half from now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is coming out next week. So, yeah, 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 yeah. If you're listening to this, you definitely want to check to see if uh, early voting is going on. Um, and if you can make it to do that, I strongly encourage you to do that. Also, if you have not, I'm not sure every state is different as to when you have to be registered by. Definitely check and see if you still, if you're not registered to vote, check and see if you are able to still register to vote. On that, if you happen to be in this, just because I was with the NAACP in a, a voter registration campaign this weekend, right? Uh, unfortunately, the day after we're recording this is the last day to register to vote here in Florida. But one of the laws that passed, House Bill 90, I think it was, I might have the number off. Um, if you have not voted in the last two cycles and you do not vote this time, your name will be taken off the rolls. So you have to go through the whole registration process again. That's one of the bills they passed. Again, we talk about infrastructure. You talk about laws that's passed. If your vote wasn't important, there wouldn't be so many ways out there that people are trying to disenfranchise you from it, right? That should be your cue right there. If it wasn't important, they wouldn't be trying to take it away from you. That's a whole other episode we can do in itself. Um, I think we actually do need to do that one at some point in time, closer to election, or maybe that's maybe that's where we go next time. Just throwing it out of there. But sorry, off track. When you get this, if you're in Florida, please 
go check your status and that you just need to go vote this time to make sure you're not taken off for the next time. Cause then you got to go through the whole registration process again. And that's when we're going to lose a lot of people who don't want to go through that process. Everything is, is, is two or three steps to get stuff done now. And it's crazy, but there's organizations out here trying to make it happen. Brett, your brother, your brothers from um, OD were there Saturday. Um, have a brothers um, from UM, um, Ada Delta was down there. Um, you had Ida New from the um, AKAs. Um, you had a couple other people down there. So the, the Catholic University of Miami, United Black Students was out there. They were out in South Miami doing the thing um, with the NAACP. Um, so kudos to them, shout out to them. But again, we got a lot more work to do across the nation. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We will see you on the next episode. We appreciate you joining us here on the 13th floor where furniture isn't always the best, even though we got to upgrade, uh, but the views continue to be amazing. Uh, amazing. That's it for now, folks. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We're done here on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. amazing.